The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on SB Nation Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is coming to you basically just hours before the 2019 NFL Draft. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try to break down some of the... uh, the narratives that we're hearing about the Giants as we approach Thursday night's draft. And here to help me do that is Patricia Trena, who always is helpful to uh, Big Blue View, contributes at Big Blue View, writes for a number of sites, co-hosts the Locked on Giants podcast, and is a good friend of ours. Patricia, thank you much for spending some time. Always a pleasure, Edward. Hey, you know, so we're 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 a few hours away from from the draft as we record this. You know, it's Tuesday, but you know, people are counting down the hours at this point. So, let's get right to some of the narratives, some of the reporting, you know, some of the things that that we're hearing about the Giants, you know, as we get closer and closer to Thursday night. And the first one I want to throw out is something that I saw that ESPN's Todd McShay said the other day. And he said that he's hearing that heading into Thursday night that the Giants are, quote, crazed to find a pass rusher early in this draft. Your thoughts on 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 just how determined they might be and whether the phrase crazed to find one is accurate. I think determined is probably a better word. I mean, I get I get crazed, but I think of somebody who's absolutely crazy. I mean, look, we saw what happened last year. The Giants had some high-priced players on the defense, and their pass rush was was inconsistent. Now, part of that was because Olivier Vernon was was hurt, missed about five games, and probably wasn't himself until the second half of the season. But, you know, their worst fears came true because, you know, you lose Vernon and now who do you have to pick up the pass rush? 
So I think what the Giants will probably try to do, you know, everybody everybody talks about, you know, getting an edge rusher, and I get that. But what I think they will probably try to do is get help up front to push that pocket in order to make things a little easier in terms of flushing a quarterback out of the pocket to where now maybe the edge guys and, you know, the safeties that are up in the box can can get after him and, you know, really put the pressure on him. There's more than one way to skin a cat. So, um, you know, yes, I think they're going to try and add an edge rusher. But my guess is if you had to, you know, prioritize if it's going to be a defensive lineman as opposed to edge, I think maybe defensive line is going to take, you know, just a – it's going to be 31 with edge probably priority 1A. I think you're probably on the right track there, Patty. I've looked at it uh, at the Giants' defense the whole way, and, and I think you know we'll, we'll talk more about quarterback and, and number six pick overall in a minute. But I think that that given you know his best case scenario, there are a couple of defensive guys who might be available at six that might fall to six. You know, Quinn and Williams is one. But, you know, the, and, and he's not an edge guy. He's an interior guy, as you were saying. But, you know, given in, in a best case scenario, I think Dave Gettleman would love to go defense at number six. I've said a number of times I think they have multiple levels of that defense to address. And you're absolutely right. They have to address the pass rush, but there are many different ways to do that. It doesn't have to be a pure edge rusher. They simply need talent. I think that what they have to be is determined to upgrade the talent on this defense at as many levels as they possibly can. Oh, no question about it. I mean, you know, it's not just the front seven that they have to address. You know, you want to maybe add a couple of guys in that backfield, you know, who can make plays on the ball. I mean, you know, people look at cornerback, for example, they have um, – excuse me, they have quantity, but, you know, basically they have a bunch of question marks back there. You know, we don't know what Sam Beal is going to bring to the table. You know, they're optimistic about him, but we don't know what he's going to bring to the table. Janoris Jenkins looks like he's going to start the year here. Whether or not he finishes the year here, that I I don't know. I mean, you never know with Gettleman if he's going to move, look to move him. But I can't, even if, you know, Jenkins finishes this year with the Giants, I, I would be stunned if he's back next year. Um, so I think you have to start looking at adding some nice young new talent in that defensive backfield as well. So, yeah, I, I think if you're the Giants, you look to make this a defense-heavy draft and you try and, and uh, you know plug in as many holes as you can. Before we move on to another narrative, Patty, I kind of wanted to mention one of the things that we heard Gettleman say, you know, during his pre-draft press conference the other day. He was asked, you know, whether he had players at different levels of his defense who had that quote-unquote dog mentality, you know, basically guys who are leaders, you know, guys who you know, who their teammates can rally around. Did he have that guy at each level of his defense? And he said that they had it at linebacker with Alec Ogletree. They had it in the secondary with Jabril Peppers and Antoine Bethea. He did not at all mention 
anyone on the defensive line, although he said he liked players like B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson. I think if you're looking at defensive line, edge rusher, he's looking for a guy, whatever the position could be, you know, whether it's one tech, three tech, edge guy, whatever, he would love to find a guy who can be the anchor of that group. Yeah, that's the impression I came away with, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they have some good talent there, but, you know, if you can get a Quinnen Williams and he somehow falls down to you at six, you run that card up to the podium. I mean, I mean Quinnen Williams is a guy who can not only push the pocket, but he's also a good run stuffer. All right. And if you remember, you know, we, we talk about the pass rush in order to stop, you know, to rush the passer, you have to stop the run and create those, you know, guaranteed passing situations for the offense. So they haven't been able to do that. You know, how many times have we seen last year, um, you know, they had they, they allowed the opponent to have second and short, third and short. Now, you know, it's like, OK, they're either going to run it or they're going to pass it. So you need to get a push up front. And here's the other thing, Ed. The Giants lost quite a few faces from, um, you know, that defensive front. Mario Williams, Josh, Mor uh, Josh Morrow, Kerry Wynn. Right now, they don't have numbers up there. And I know you don't use, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't, uh, you know, make your draft decisions based on numbers. But I got to think that, you know, Gettleman's not only saw the performance, but he said to himself, I, I got to get more horses up front there because games are won and lost in the pit. And last year, the Giants lost far too many games in, in the trenches. Agreed, Patty. Let's move on to another topic. And this is going to be the, the Daniel Jones portion of our discussion. The, uh, there's a narrative out there right now that there is one team that has Daniel Jones at the top of its quarterback board, and there is a belief out there, belief, assumption, whatever you want to call it, there is a belief out there that the Giants are that team that has Daniel Jones as the number one quarterback on their on their board. Are you buying on that or are you selling on that one, Patty? Oh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to buy it, but here's the thing, and I keep telling people on Twitter, having Jones as the number one quarterback on the board does not mean he's the number one player on the board. So Jones, you know, and, I, I, and I'm just using these numbers as an example because obviously I don't know. Jones might have a rate of 90, whereas, you know, 12 players or, or 18 players might have a higher grade than he does. So if you're going best player available, you're obviously going to start with your highest graded player, regardless of the position, and just go down the, the list there. So I don't even know if Daniel Jones will be on the board by the time, you know, the Giants pick him. I don't think they will pick him in the first round if he is there. Um, could they pick him in the second round? Possibly. But I don't know if he's going to fall to the second round, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I have I have serious, serious doubts that he would fall into the second round, Patty. And, and you know, I, I use the buy or sell phrase, and I'm absolutely going to buy on the idea that the Giants would be the team that would have Daniel Jones at the top of their quarterback board. 
I think it's been easy for months now to connect the dots between the Giants and Daniel Jones with the the David Cutcliffe connection as the coach at Duke and the former quarterbacks coach for Eli and Peyton Manning. The fact that Daniel Jones' quarterback coach, his personal quarterback coach, David Morris, is a longtime friend of Eli Manning's, was his backup quarterback at Ole Miss and his college roommate at Ole Miss. Um, you know, the fact that Jones has attended the uh, the Manning Passing Academy a few times, y- you hear scouting reports that compare his skill set to to Eli Manning in a lot of ways, maybe with a little bit more mobility. And I'm not a scout. I'm not going to break all of that down. I just think it's been easy to connect those dots. So if you, you know, if you really want, you know, to put on your detective hat and try to figure that out, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to buy on the fact that the giants would be the team, you know, that, that would have him, you know, as their top-rated quarterback, but as you said, you know where they would pick him. Who knows? I I still believe that that given the right defensive players on the board, that they'll take a defensive player at six and, and try to figure out quarterback. You know, with the seventeenth pick or, or beyond that. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Ed. I mean, it, look, you know, this is an exciting time of year. There's so many what ifs, so many scenarios. Um, we can sit here and we can try and connect the dots, but I don't think we're ever going to get a perfect picture. And and uh, I, for one, am wait, looking forward to seeing how it all you know unfolds. Oh, we both are, Patty, and, and all of uh, Giants Nation is as well. And, and so we talked about Daniel Jones a little bit. Let's let's go to the the next part of the Daniel Jones narrative. And you know, you said you're not even sure that the Giants would take him in the first in the in the first round that they might try to wait until 37. We've seen mock drafts lately. I think Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network who's, you know, incredibly well connected had the Giants taking him at 6. I think Albert Breer from SI and, you know, Peter King this week have the Giants taking Jones at 17. And and my question is this, part of the narrative that you hear is if you like a quarterback enough to think, you know, I'll take him, you know, at some point in the first round, if, and, and let's just say it's Jones, or maybe it's Dwayne Haskins, or maybe it's Drew Locke. If there's a quarterback that the Giants like enough that they think I'll use a first round pick on him and make him the heir apparent to Eli Manning, are you? Are you one who believes they should just go ahead and take him at six and be done with it? Or should they try to get him at 17, you know, and take their chances? I I don't know that the value is there at six. I mean, you know, look, they we listen to Gettleman and he keeps saying best player available. You can't draft for need. You can't reach for, for a guy because, you know, you have a perceived need. Because when you do that, you're going to screw yourself up. Now, there's some who say, and, and, you know, I know over at the Locked on Giants podcast, I believe I had a, a couple of guests, and I'm trying to remember who they were, the names are escaping me, but a couple of people said, look, you know, in this era of the salary cap, it's not as big of a setback if you take a quarterback high and you make a mistake because of, of the way the rookie contracts are, are constructed. 
you know, you can, you're not going to take that big of a cap hit. But with that said, you know, there's a matter of spending an entire year getting the guy ready and developing him. You certainly don't want to take a guy who, you know, you have him in the building for two months and now you figured out, oh, this guy's, you know, as dense as a bag of bricks. He's not a fit for what we're going to do. And we've just wasted our time because now you create a situation where people are like, OK, now now what do we do if we need to turn to this guy? So I, I just think, you know, I know there's a sense of urgency for the quarterback. I know a lot of people want to see a Eli's replacement brought in here. I want to see it too, believe it or not. I know I get accused of being an Eli apologist, but you know I understand that Eli is getting up there in age, and he will not be here forever. But with this, with that said, you got to be sure. You have to be, um, you have to have a conviction on the quarterback, and I just don't get the impression that they have that. It's interesting, Patty, because I think that you know we've talked about their their need to really upgrade on the defensive side of the ball. And I think at six, I've never really gotten the impression, as you said, that that they're that they're absolutely dying for one of these guys to the point where, you know, where they would take a Daniel Jones or a Dwayne Haskins or a Drew Locke if they're, if they're looking at the board and they're thinking, you know, there's a difference-making defensive player here at number six. There's a, a gold jacket guy on defense or there's a, a core guy that we can build this defense around for the next five or six or seven years. If there's one of those guys, I think they're going to push the quarterback the quarterback you know, decision down a little bit, whether they push it to 17 or whether they push it all the way to next year, who knows? But I think if the board falls in a certain way where, where the top defensive guys, the top three or four guys maybe on their board, you know, are already gone, you know, then maybe they consider quarterback at six, but I, I still think it's more likely that uh, that they use that 17th pick, whether they trade up, trade down, whatever they feel like they need to do. If they go quarterback at all, I think it's more likely that it happens with that with that second pick in the first round. And I'll, I'll point out one other thing. You know, I went back and I studied what Dave Gettleman said. I looked at the transcript and I matched it up with the tape. I think you were the one who asked this question. I think you said, are there quarterbacks that can win Super Bowls in this draft? And instead of coming right out and saying, oh, there's a few good ones in there, the guys that are going to go real high, you know, like he did when, when at the Combine we asked him about the offensive tackles and he, he you know, you could see the drool kind of slip through his lips. Mm-hmm. Gettleman's choice of words were, you know, he he's like, yeah, there are some good ones. Yes. You know, he, he sounded almost wishy-washy. You know, he used pedestrian language, I thought, to describe the quarterbacks. And he never came right out and say, oh, yeah, there's definitely a couple in this class who can win Super Bowls. Now, maybe he's trying to temper his enthusiasm so as not to tip his hand. But look, he's done it before with a couple, you know, like I said, when we talked about the offensive tackles with him and a couple of other positions, you know, he's admitted to that. 
So I just did not walk away with the impression that Gettleman is jumping up and down about this particular class. Do I think they will dip into this quarterback class? I think they, it's possible they'll get a day three guy. You know, people say to me, oh, they'd be wasting resources. Well, you've got 12 draft picks. It's not like you only have five and you're going to waste one on a guy who may or may not work out for you. You know, so I, I just think if they're going to to take a, a quarterback this year, I I think it's going to be a day three guy. Um, and, you know, again, to those who think, well, that would be a waste of assets, not with 12 picks, not with 12 picks, because, you know, I don't think the Giants necessarily need to use all 12 of those picks, nor do I think they they will use all 12. No, I, I, I hear you. I don't think they're going to use all 12 picks either, Patty. And it's funny because one of the things I had jotted down here to talk to, to talk about was if the Giants didn't use a pick on a quarterback in round one, there is a narrative out there that, that perhaps they shouldn't take a quarterback at all. You know, I guess there's people get a little tired of, you know, a couple of years ago it was Davis Webb in the third round. Last year it was... Kyle Lawletta in the fourth round. You go back a few years and we've seen picks like like Rhett Bomar and Andre Woodson and you know and Ryan Nassib and guys that have never made it. So I think that people are a little bit a little bit tired of the middle to late round quarterback draft because they've never seen any of it pan out. But you know, the reality of it is like you said they have 12 picks. I'm one that that believes if there comes a point in time where they think, you know, Ryan Finley is value or they think Jarrett Stidham is value or they think Brett Rippon is value or Will Greer or any of these day two or day three guys, you know, if if their board says one of those guys is value and they think that one of those guys can even maybe not be you know, the absolute franchise quarterback, but might be better than Alex Tanney or Kyle Lawletta in the long run, you know, might be a guy who could even be a quality backup, then then why not? You know, as you said, they've got 12 picks and, you know, I, I would have no problem with a, with a, especially a day three, you know, selection of a quarterback and, uh, you know, and you go from there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, again, if they had only five picks, then I might have a problem with a day three pick, you know, spending it on a quarterback who may or may not be in your long-term plans. But look, I mean, Alex Tanney, if you look at the contract that he got, he got a two-year deal, but it's technically a one-year deal, the way the money is set up. And even there, they can move on from him if they if they need to. You know, so a lot of times when I, when I do, when I look at, um, mock drafts, and I just put a mock draft out on uh, Tuesday on Forbes. A lot of times when I look at stuff, I also take into consideration how contracts are set up because a lot of times there are some clues as to what they might be thinking if you want to kind of jump ahead. It's it's tricky, but you know if you really sit and you take all that into consideration. Now, as far as Kyle Walletta goes, you know he's not a lock to make this roster. I mean, I do believe he's going to get a chance to compete. But, you know, if they do take a quarterback in this draft, that doesn't necessarily mean that Lawlett is going to be the guy they toss to the curb. It could be Tanny, for all you know, given how that contract is set up. So I just think that ultimately what the Giants would probably like to do is get to a situation where they had, 
they have a, a setup at quarterback like Phil Simms, Jeff Hostetler, or, or not Jeff Hostetler, Jeff Rutledge back in the 80s for you old timers, or more recently for those of you who don't remember that, you know, the Eli Manning and David Carr situation, except, you know, David, of course, was a little bit older. But the point being is, is they want to have your franchise quarterback who's going to be your starter at solid backup so that if, God forbid, something happens to the franchise guy, you can put the backup in and not have to worry about a huge drop-off. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Patty, let's talk about another narrative. And and I don't remember who asked Dave about this the other day, but there's a huge gap that the Giants have from 37, the 37th overall pick in the second round to the 95th overall pick in the third round, which I think might be the final pick of the third round or at least the final one before compensatory picks. The Giants have those 12 picks. And my guess is if Dave moves at all to uh, with any of those those day three picks that he's got, I think he's got eight on day three. I don't think there's any way he sits there and watches, you know, close to 60 players come off the board without moving somewhere between 37 and 95 to grab a player. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Matter of fact, I'll even take it a step further. In my mock draft over on Forbes, I had the Giants moving down a couple of slots at number 17. I think I had them trading with Houston, I want to say. No, I'm sorry, with Tennessee. And, um, you know, and, and in the process, picking up a third round, an extra third round pick. It's okay if the Giants sit there at 95, but I think if they can get a pick somewhere between 37 and 95, I think that's what Gettleman would ultimately like to do because I just don't see him getting rid of 95. You know, he wants to be he wants to be able to make a pick at, at, at certain intervals. And if it means 
getting rid of some of these day three lower picks at six and seven, even at the bottom of the fifth round, I do think he's going to do that. And I, and you know what, Ed, I find it kind of, you know, ironic because people were criticizing Gettleman because he was racking up all this draft capital and people were saying, Oh, you know, they're day three picks. They're six, you know, fifth, sixth and seventh round picks. Guess what folks, you can use that to move around the board. And that's exactly what I anticipate Gettleman is going to do. So those picks are definitely valuable in that respect. Oh, certainly. You don't want to make eight selections on day three, but you love sitting there having that draft capital and being able to say, hey, I'll give you, you know, my two fifth round picks and my six or two of my fifth round picks because I've got three of them, you know, and I'll throw in my sixth round pick, you know, to, to get up here into the late third round or get up here into the fourth round and get a guy that, that I really would like to have. I mean, the reality of it is Gettleman has a history from Carolina of moving around the board, of using his late round picks to move up and do things like that. There's a huge difference in value from 37 you get from 37 to 95 you're going to be talking about a completely different caliber of player at least in terms of what you can expect right away so absolutely i think that's a that's the the prime area to move in i think that your idea of moving down with the 17th pick is an interesting one i've seen it in a couple of places and it all depends, really, it, it, it's going to depend, I think, on on what you see there at 17. You know, teams will go into any selection at any point in the draft and have an idea, okay, if I'm sitting here at 17, you know, there's these 6, 8, 10 players who I might like to have at this point in the draft. And if you can move down two spots, three spots, and think, you know, there's still going to be, I may lose a couple of these guys, but I've got a list of, of seven or eight guys that I could draft here, and most of that list is still going to be available two picks from now. Why wouldn't you move down? It makes sense. It makes too much sense. And and look, if you can, even if you have to throw in one of those, you know, late day three picks, like a seventh rounder, for example, to balance out the value, if you're using that trade value chart, so what? You got you still have a lot of picks, you know. And and meanwhile, you, you're you're getting into so getting into that range between the, the uh, thirty seven and ninety five, and you're you, you know that's another top one hundred player that you're getting. Why wouldn't you make that move? No, I agree with you, Patty. I think it's going to be interesting, and you're absolutely right that you know Dave has said a number of times that collecting all of those picks that he got, I think a fifth rounder for Damon Harrison and a fourth rounder for Eli Apple and and whatever else he was able to collect along the way. I can't think exactly of you know which trades gave him which picks at this point, but he's in a tremendous position here with two first-round picks, eight day three picks to, to play around with. He's in a tremendous position to do something here that can be you know, franchise-changing if the Giants hit a home run in this draft. Sure. And that's what you have to do. You know, you can't be afraid to, to where you, you sit there and you're polarized, you know, like, and I hate to, I hate to 
throw dirt back on him. But Jerry Reese used to do that. He used to really sit there and not move around. And there were times when I think, you know, in retrospect, you can go back and look at the drafts and how they kind of unfolded. And you could have said to yourself, well, he could have moved down here or he should have moved down up here. I mean, moved up here. Um, you know, would have, could have, should have, he didn't. So I think you have to look at the future. And, and Gettleman, you know, look, he, I've said all along, Ed, this is probably a three-year rebuild plan for the Giants. You know, last year, Gettleman cleaned out a lot of the, the you know, um, the, the problems in the locker room. This year, he cleaned out a lot with the salary cap. Now, this year's salary cap is not ideal, but next year, they're going to have a super salary cap. They took care of Sterling Shepard this year. He would have been really their only free agent in next year's class that, that would have been you know really worth trying to get signed. And he did it, I might add before seeing what Shepard brought to the table in terms of, you know, would he get an increased role over, you know, with especially with Odell no longer there and what kind of statistics would he get? So it was a smart move to get him done now. So what Gettleman has set himself up to, up for, I think, right now, is use this draft to fill in some of the holes where, where the cupboard is bare next year. Okay, assuming you don't get your quarterback this year, which I don't think they're going to get their franchise quarterback this year. Next year, you're going to have at least um, nine picks if the two compensatory picks come to fruition for for Landon Collins at number three, and then uh, the seventh rounder, I think, for for Josh Morrow. Use that capital to to swing for the fences and move up if there is a quarterback that you like well enough and and need to move up from. And I tell people this all the time. You know, they say, oh, the Giants are going to have to move up. I say, well, you guys are the same ones saying that the Giants are going to suck this year because Eli Manning is back, so they shouldn't have to move up that far anyway. So it's one or the other, you know what I mean? Oh, Patty, fans on Twitter, you know, nobody, nobody's ever happy. It's funny because we are doing right now at Big Blue View, we're doing what we're calling the the Big Blue View draft-a-thon where we're using the draft network mock draft simulator and we're allowing fans to vote on each pick as it comes up and and I got a note this morning from Chris Flum who's running the draft and he said you wouldn't believe this he said but people are complaining about the rules and the fact that I won't let them break the rules to vote for players who aren't who aren't you know in the poll (laughs) and it's like oh goodness it's like the the point of that is no matter what you do no matter what you say no matter how you say it no matter what the results are good or bad people will find something to complain about because some people are just not happy unless they have something to complain about well i mean look you're not going to be able to to please everybody so you know you have to have a thick skin in this business i mean you know it's easier said than done. It would be nice if we all agreed, but that's kind of what makes the world go round. And I know my only criteria is, is if you want to disagree with me, fine. But when you start bringing in the name calling and the insults and all that stuff, then you can expect to be either blocked or muted on Twitter because I won't put up with that. Oh, I hear you, Patty. I agree. I don't mind having a debate with someone as long as it's somewhat reasonable. But anyway, I have one final narrative one final thing that i want to throw out here and we kind of touched on it a little bit the other day when we when we listened to to dave gettleman at his pre-draft press conference i asked him a question about the fact that he's got the two first round picks that he's got 
12 picks overall, and I asked him about the pressure to get this one right, and maybe I didn't quite ask the question the way that I wanted to, because what I'm driving at here, what I'm looking at is, for me, this draft, next year's offseason with the cap space and the draft, this really is, to me, for Dave Gettleman, this is the legacy-defining stretch of his time as GM as to whether or not he's going to be able to get this right. Would you agree, you know, the way that this is set up, that we've really hit sort of that legacy-defining part of of Gettleman's time as as, uh, the Giants general manager? I think it's part of it, Ed. I mean, the real defining moment is going to be the quarterback situation. You know, Gettleman, um, you know, he kind of, kind of, he, he was involved with the head coach, uh, you know, selection. And he's, you know, he, he came through on that, but he's never had to pick a franchise quarterback as a general manager. I think that's really what's going to define his legacy. But to your point, I thought your question was valid because, you know, look, you look at what Gettleman was able to do in free agency, and it wasn't a whole lot if you think about it. I mean, let's face it, it was a very underwhelming, you know, at least on paper, it was an underwhelming free agency haul. And that's going to be, I think, the way of the future for this team because we have seen it in 2014, we have seen it in 2016, where the team has a ton of cap space and they spend like it's going out of style. That only works if you're lucky for one or two seasons, and then ultimately you create headaches for yourself. So now that when you want to re-sign guys that you have developed, um, you don't have the space to do it because you've got these big contracts choking the cap. So I like what Gettleman has done. I understand what he's doing. You know, uh, do I agree with everything he's done? No. There are some things that I, that I've said hmm, that was interesting. I don't know that I would have done that, but you know, I I understand where, you know, what the logic was there. But you know, in terms of getting this franchise right. Like I said before, I believe this is a three-year plan. I could see a scenario where after next year, if they get the, the franchise quarterback, Gettleman says, you know what, folks, I'm heading up to Cape Cod. It was nice knowing you. I'll, I'll be sitting there rooting for you from, from the comfort of my couch. Um, so that's what I think you know, is happening here. But yes, this is an important draft because there are a lot of holes to fill, and that's what Gettleman's trying to do. And we knew it was going to take multiple years for him to go in and fix this team. Anybody who was expecting the team to turn around and be a Super Bowl contender last year, I think was deluding themselves so um i'm curious to see how it all plays out we all are patty and i think uh, with that said that will be the show for today patty thank you very very much for spending some time with us just remind folks uh, where they can uh, where they can listen to your show and uh, where they can find you on twitter Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. You can listen to me on the Locked on Giants podcast. Um, I try and have uh, guests on every day. We also have some fun features that that listeners have been enjoying, such as fact and fiction, the mailbag, and so and uh, you know perspectives. We've been doing that. Um, we have some cool guests coming up in the month of May. I can't wait to to announce who they are. I think you guys are going to find that very interesting. You can find my written work at Forbes. You know where I do not just contract stuff, but also you know I 
the, the stuff that I, you know, break down the team and whatnot. You can find some of my work on Big Blue View. I'm sure Ed's going to keep me busy during these next few weeks. And of course, you can find my work on Inside Football and The Maven. All right. Thank you, Patty. And thank you, as always, for listening, Giants fans. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now.